Hi, how are you doing? Um, welcome to the Sunny Weekly. Who, who even cares at this point what the fuck the podcast is called? I'm distraught. Chris Gallagher, nice to see you. Hi, Louis. Thanks. Hi. Thanks for uh, thanks for being here. So, Manny. Hello, Louis. You maybe want to before you bring in the third Christopher in this wonderful podcast panel. Maybe want to tell people why you're upset, or can you not do that? Uh, yet, I'm not quite ready. Just give me a couple of minutes, uh, Chris Bowd. Hello, hello, lads. Hello, hello. How are we doing? Um, Louis, you're a wee guy. It's probably the first time you've had your heart broken. We all go through it. Um, you know, people just stop returning your phone calls. But you go through uh, it. Ignoring you, your mail. But you go through it more uh, than most, unfortunately, I'll be honest. It's a, it's a weekly, it's a weekly um, occurrence. But you'll get over it. Plenty more times in the sea. Uh, well, I beg to differ there about. Um, I'd, I sat today on my lunch hour, came up where we run down, and then uh, I was hit with the devastating news that Tam might be leaving. Um, I think it's bullshit, to be honest with you. I'm going to hunt down the person that wrote that article. I think it's disgusting. Um, but we're going to talk about it. We're going to open the show with, with the news that Tam might be leaving. You know, Tyne Castle, uh, Tyne Castle. Uh, Ibrooks, Celtic Park, and uh, and Hamden. You know the the, the it's man good, who. It's good that he wants to make more memories like that, Louis. He's not just chasing the dollar, chasing the buck. He's going to do something. You've got to hand that. You've, you've got to say that, about You're right. He is going to a top top league, um, where you know he's going to be. It's going to be a star-studded squad that he moves to. Um, so hats off to him. Hats off. Listen, Tam, Tam can decide when he's going to leave and where he's going to go. If he wants to chase the money, that's that's fine. Um, it's not even chasing the money. He's just going to get what he's due, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, but I'm not going to lie, I'm, I'm devastated. You know, he single-handedly won us the, the treble, the, 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 the real one. You know, not the, not the two other Diddy ones that came after it. The real one, um, that moment at Hamden, came on and, and scored that goal against Aberdeen. A man who's vastly underrated by the majority of Celtic support just because he doesn't have an engine. You know, he's, he's got to have an engine. Or, or has um, played in two years. Or has lungs. Well, you know. He doesn't need lungs, you know. He doesn't need lungs. He's got the lungs of a chain smoker, but he's also got the feet of a chain smoker. He's got four four hands. He's Tam. I'm devastated. I, I don't even know what the fuck to say. I'm gutted. I mean, as some man um, said earlier, I was ready to throw him under the bus. I was giving him another couple of league games to see if they would feature. Um, but I was trying to be coy about it. I was I was flopping with him, saying I was going to throw him under the bus. I, I was expecting, I was trying to provoke a reaction. Um, I mean, you, there I, didn't, w- there I didn't see this coming. There was a couple of times, and Sermani will back me up on this, where we were picking up, where we're picking European teams to play, and um, I believe Sermani said, would you play Tam? And I think your reaction, Louis, was, and I can go back and get it, so no need to deny. Your reaction was along the lines of, he can't play in European games. He doesn't have an engine. So... <laughs> an engine? <laughs> He's, you know, listen, rough with this move, though. Listen, that's what love is. Love is, you know, being hurt, being angry, acting out, 
and then realizing that it's all about forgiveness and realization of if you love something you have to set it free so absolutely okay. listen hold on hold on somebody before you go on I, do, I don't want to dwell on this because nothing is nothing is confirmed this well, is this, this, this is mere speculation that's right? just what i was going to say you this sounds like his celtic obituary and nothing exactly confirmed. it's only because it's came from the mail sport um, website and i think that mcgowan's normally quite well connected when it comes to celtic so you're assuming that this is going to happen. You know, it might not happen. Don't worry about it. <laughs> There's plenty of squads at Celtic that he's not able to make, and that might continue for the future. But I will say this. See, if he does leave Celtic, and he starts talking in the press like Chris Commons, who is basically the Scottish-slash-English version of him, guy who scored important goals for us, didn't turn up in a lot of Whoa, other games. Oh, that's a bit harsh. I, I, I want you to treat... Tam Rogic with the same disdain you treat Kieran Tierney, Brendan Rogers, and Chris Commons. Only fair, Louis. It's only fair. But listen, he's not gone yet. It might not happen. Nobody might want to buy the guy. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, that that's possibly very true. Um no, listen. We'll we'll wait. We'll have the big obituary, and uh, I'll go. I'll go through. Have a have a kind of Tam Rogic montage. Believe maybe next me, week, honestly, if he, if he leaves, if he does leave, that would make a good podcast because I know there's a a, wrong, a long running kind of joke about Tam and stuff. But see, looking back on the goals and his big big goals for us, that would make a cracking cracking podcast. Absolutely no doubt. Uh, for for uh, four million pounds, I mean, like. You know, if you look at it that way, four million pounds for a guy who really hasn't featured as Boud said, I think earlier, you know, he's not really not played in a couple of years. He's not played so far this season. Neil Lennon's not picked him. Again, um last night he never came off the bench when we made some substitutions. Four million pounds is pretty good business, I I would probably argue for a guy at this stage of career that he's at. I think the the, th- the thing with Tam is he has all the attributes, genuinely right, he has all the attributes in terms of the ability to, to find something out of nothing, which we've seen a number of times. His passing can be sublime and he does find space in a way that a lot of players don't. He just He's just never fit. I mean... Stop the engine, mate. <clears throat> Put an engine in there. It's like a Rolls Royce body. Oh God, Chris, what the is that? The Morris Minor. Jesus in. Christ. What is that? I was trying to do like an East End London car salesman kind of guy. Uh, thingy daily body from the um... not got the engine. Know what I'm saying? Not really, Chris. I think it would be a decent amount of money, but you're saying at his stage of his career, he's 27, turning 28 in December. He's, this should be his peak years, really. Aye, it's, it's not a... like he's done. Uh-huh. <laughs> Like, is this is a really up oh well. up to the podcast here. Thanks, th- thanks for the facts, Chris Bowd. Um Just throwing it out there. I'm a big fa- a big big facts man. You know that. He, love, he loves facts. It. He loves a fact. Just the facts. Would you would you not back four million in Bowd and, and keep him for the ten? Aye, I'd I'd say take take your four million, add a zero in the end, and then we'll start talking, pal. Forty million. Forty million pounds. That's how much I Jesus. want for Thomas Rogic. Thomas Peter Rogic. <laughs> you've, got, you've got his Wikipedia up, don't you, in front of you? <laughs> um, Excuse me. Like I, my yeah. maestro mind subject was Thomas. That's why I know his middle name. What star sign is he about? 
Uh, I know that as well because his birthday's right next to mine. He's a Sagittarius. Oof. Half man, half horse. As if we didn't know. <laughs> I wish he was. Half man, half, man, half stallion. That's what, that's what it is. Um, anyway, right, as, as somebody said, um, nothing has been confirmed. Nothing has been done. It's, it's paper talk. It's nonsense. I think Tam will probably come out tonight on social media and he'll dispel all the rumours. He'll... Uh, you know, you'll see he's, he's here for the 10 and I'll be that. Um, we're going to start off this week um, talking about uh, a week that wasn't really um, because of, obviously, uh, Bollygate and uh, Bolly deciding to go to Spain. We missed out in two league games and we had a week off. Um, undoubtedly, that had a bit of an impact. I think, obviously, as fans, we've been sitting, you know, desperate for for football to be back and obviously we had the game last night the, the European tie which we're going to come on to talk about but um, you know what What do you think the impact was of that week off I, I, I thought it was quite interesting to hear the guys talk about it on the agenda and how it, it you know it possibly focused minds and, and narrowed the focus a wee bit and kind of maybe got everybody back on track after, after uh, the game at Rugby Park where we were obviously very poor and, and, and really didn't turn up. Um, it, this week probably could have went either way. I've came out of it personally feeling a, a bit refreshed, probably because of last night. I, I feel as if it's it's maybe actually done as a, done as a bit of a favour in, in many ways, the fact that we've had a chance to regroup after such a bad result, reset, which is what I was crying for after the game. And hopefully... This is our season starting again. What's your thoughts on on the actual impact of missing out in those two league games? Um, I think I don't want to. I don't think we can downplay them dropping points at Livingston. To be perfectly honest, now that might be the wrong way to look at it, but as a broader support, I think we're very inward looking and critical of our own team. In fact, sometimes we're too hysterical when it comes for a team that's been so consistent for so long. I do think broadly speaking, we're too harsh on the side. Um, but that, that's just the way it's going to be. Now, I think the apparent weaknesses of um, Rangers were quite apparent in the Aberdeen game where they won 1-0 and again against uh, Livingston. So I think in everybody's mind, they were going to go charging on and go however many points clear despite the games in hand. So from that, when you've seen that they were really struggling to create and to kind of penetrate a team that were sitting back on a bad pitch, much like we did. I think that reset people's evaluation of us. Couple that in with the performance last night, notwithstanding how good Reykjavik are, we set about to do our business and done it brilliantly. So I'm sitting here now feeling a lot better than I was, although I don't think I was panicking or anything like that, but you're sitting here now thinking the season starts now and um, it was really refreshing to see players, uh, guys like El Yunusi getting goals and things like that. I know we'll come and talk about the actual game, but right now I'm just raring to go. I'm just choking to get another game on. Uh, the disappointment of those games being cancelled was bad, um, but events have unfolded now where you're thinking, right, it starts now. Let's just go and do it. Um, for me, I think what it's done is it's allowed, you know, the, the, the analytics team and probably Lennon and the coaching staff to have a look at Rangers like live 
the way that they might not be able to before. Because obviously, you start the season and you really, uh, you know, it just kicks off. So they would have obviously had the opportunity to, you know, look through all the, all the data and all the analysis. And even just Lennon and John Kennedy, you know, re-watching the game. But having the ability to watch the game live and having the ability to look at these three games that Rangers have played and really... You know, think about it maybe a different way because that's all they really had to focus with outside of, you know, the actual training and stuff. They didn't have to focus on a game. So I think, as Louis kind of mentioned at the start, I think it's maybe sharpened minds as well. I think it's really brought a focus to what we need to do this season. It's given an opportunity to kind of reflect. Um, and it's also allowed Rangers to shoot themselves in the foot by not winning that game at Livingston. And to really, you know, if, if we'd given them that opportunity and they'd really hammered everyone you'd be like, okay, do you know what? I'm a little bit worried because they're so far ahead. But we've seen that they're not. They're not as good as... Every, they're not certainly not as good as the press making out and they're not as good as, you know, some Celtic fans are making out. They are there for the taking with absolutely no, no question. But also, I think what the Livingston game showed is that they're absolutely going to drop points away from home. The way that people said that they wouldn't at the start of the season. Do you, th- do you think, Bowda, just before you came in, I think, do you think that maybe us dropping points the way we did at Kilmarnock, was that, was that maybe nerves? Was that maybe nerves of the season that it is? I mean, you know, there's no getting away from the pressure that is going to be on both teams. I think we've all tried to kind of say, you know, Rangers are under more pressure to stop it and that. But you can't deny the fact that we're still under pressure to win it. You know, I, I, I predicted that, you know, before a ball was kicked, I, I thought the Rangers would have a shaky start. I thought that maybe the pressure would get to them and maybe they would be a wee bit up and down. Maybe the Kamalik result was just, we kind of had a false start. And maybe this week off has maybe allowed us the chance to go, right, no, hold on. We, we started wrong here. Let's get back on the right track. Uh, what I'll say about that is we did the analysis um, which is available on the, the Patreon, patreon.com slash 90 Minutes Cynic, soon to be our own indie independent um, platform, but we'll get to that later. Um, but we did the analysis and do you know what all the data showed? It just showed that people, like uh, 10 of the players really just didn't turn up. And do you know what? Sometimes that does happen. Sometimes that an anomaly can happen where the whole team just don't play well because you discussed it last week or yeah well you did discuss it last week that you know no one get pass marks I mean they are people sometimes it's a bad day at the office but, but, but to be fair though we haven't seen that happen very often I mean there must be a collective reason why everybody doesn't turn up I don't necessarily I mean nerve certainly could play a part in it but you've um... And this is a squad, you know, it's, it's been together for a wee while. So I'd say most of the players do understand what it's what it's all about. Maybe some of the newer players coming in, it's, it doesn't mean quite as much or they, they don't quite know what it's all about yet. Um, but I, I think a big part of it was, just as Gal said, just people not turning up in the day. And when you've got a well-organised team, we've got a pitch, which isn't great, not just because it's artificial, but because it's small. Um, we really need a player or players to produce bits of magic to break that down. And nobody was even close. So I'm, I, I'm not sure how much of that was nerves and how much of it was just 
everyone having a shiter. Uh, can I, it, sorry to jump in for a sec, see, if, if we want, and I know we're, I don't want to jump ahead to the Reykjavik game, but Reykjavik, fuck John Hartson. Um, what, what, the Reykjavik game was good because you saw, we played from side to side and we stretched Reykjavik. We really, really stretched them and that led to gaps. We didn't do that against um, Kilmarnock at all. We just tried to kind of go through them, try to go through the middle and it was so packed and it was so, you know, so clustered that there was no way through. And so I think even yesterday shows that they've got themselves back together, they're refocused, and I think Kamarnock was just a blip. Do you think, the, like as Sormani says there, I was going to mention that, the fact that the, the Rangers game at Livingston, you know, we obviously had our difficulties against Livingston last season. Um, did that kind of... Was that maybe a wee bit of a reality check? I think we could all be blamed for going into this season possibly and thinking, you know, I certainly was thinking, you know, initially I thought Rangers might have a shaky start. Then you see them and they're quite convincing. You think, God, they're not going to drop points against anyone. They come up against Livingston and they can't break them down. I watched the game. I really didn't think they were very good at all. Um, And it's just a wee bit of a, oh, you know, all right, okay, they're not they're not as good as what you maybe had them built up to be in your head. But at the same time, you can't be complacent. You know, you've it's not just enough to rely on them being shite. You've got to be on top of your game in order to beat them. But was a wee was it a wee bit of a comfort to see them struggle? Yeah, and the reason it was a comfort was because they're the only thing we need to measure ourselves against this season. If we're better than them, we win the league. So it's natural. Cause some people will be out there saying, just concentrating us, just just do what we need to do and all that, but you, you can't because when you beat if you beat them, you win the ten and that's it. So you're going to be looking at their results. People were maybe a bit guilty of looking at um, this season as being a carbon copy of last season. I think the consistency of both us and them in the first half of the season uh, um, last year was an anomaly. I mean, yeah. the consistency from us was frightening, and from them because the fact of the matter is they managed to beat us at Celtic Park at uh, the turn of the year. And it put them two points ahead. But the consistency was absolutely unreal from both sides. Now, that changed. The, the narrative in people's heads was, wait till they go to Dubai, and then then they'll, you know, they'll dissipate. But see, the, the flaws that they showed in the second half of the season last, uh, last well, earlier this year, sorry, they were apparent against Livingston. They struggle to beat teams that, are, that, that kind of sit in and don't come out. Um, Rangers are always better when they're breaking against teams. You've seen them have success in the Europa League doing that. So when you've got a team who sit in deep, you need that bit of spe- uh, bit of magic to unlock them. And they couldn't do that in the second half of the season. And that was apparent again on um, Sunday, whenever it was. So people are probably looking at last season and thinking that that's going to be the narrative again this season. Whereas the weaknesses they showed earlier on in the year are still apparent and they're still there. Now again, Caveats always got to be with the two months left of the transfer window. We've both got opportunities to address that in terms of signings. But as it stands, one of Rangers' biggest weaknesses is they can't beat teams that sit in. And that was a perfect example of it on Sunday. And we've seen it against Aberdeen, though they got lucky when McKenna ran up, chased McKenna, uh, uh, sorry, when uh, I McKenna chased Morelos to the halfway line. So I wasn't surprised at what I seen, but I think too many people had thought they'll not be like that and that was probably daft in hindsight I think if you compare so if you compare our result against Kilmarnock to 
you know, the Rangers result against Livingston. Um, they could, we conceded one opportunity, and that was the penalty. If we don't concede that, if, if um, Julian doesn't make an arse of it, we win that game 1-0. If you compare that to Livingston, Livingston had at least two massive chances that they should have at least hit the target with. You know, Lyndon Dykes, their best player, wasn't playing. Uh, well, maybe not their best player, but their best striker and who's caused us a lot of problems. Um, they had they conceded opportunities the, the way against Livingston, the way that we didn't against Kilmarnock. And Kilmarnock have started this season better than Livingston. So if you put the, if you look at them both in isolation, you can see that actually the Kilmarnock result is is far better than the Livingston result. But it doesn't really matter overall, other than the fact that they they could have they could have played another another ninety minutes and they probably wouldn't have scored. Do do we fear, not fear, but are we apprehensive about going away to Livingston this year? After seeing that, does that play any part in it, or is it just the, our own experiences there last year? I mean, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a big stretch um, or a big coincidence to see that the the two places where we've both dropped points so far have been at plastic pitches. Now, I don't want to make a massive excuse about it because at the end of the day, we should be used to it. We've been playing on them on them for years, visiting these grounds. But at the same time, it it's got to be a factor in in both of the results. Going away to Livingston, you know, I, I remember us when, when we lost there the first time when Christie got sent off last season, we all said we need a bit of redemption there when we go back. We need to make a point. We need to make a statement, prove that that was just a blip. It never happened. This season, is it going to be different? Are we confident that it will be different? Obviously, there's no Linda Dykes and they've lost quite a few players really from the team that they had built, uh, which was quite strong, especially def- defensively. But, you know, we've still got a point to prove, haven't we? I think overall what you're saying is and a freshly shaven bowed might want to come in off the back of this as well. For no other reason than I wanted to tell everybody that he's shaved his beard. Um, but it's such a, a chiselled chin. I never realised how pointy your chin was about that. Is Bruce Campbell esque? You could cut cheese with that thing. It's like a movie star. What was Kojak's name again? Egan Cheese, obviously. Tony Savalas. <laughs> Telly Savalas. Telly Savalas. I forgot. That's right. Telly Savalas. A handsome young Telly Savalas, and obviously still alive, uh, unlike Telly. But uh, it's plastic pitches as opposed to Livingston, I would say. So should we be used to them? Maybe. But are we going to struggle on them? Yeah, I think so. And I think that's something that we need to try and address. Um, but I think the plastic pitches are a major a major factor. Yeah, I agree with that. I think Dykes being away is actually a, a bonus for us. And you know, we shouldn't have to rely on not coming up against Lyndon Dykes. But there we are. Um but as you see, the artificial pitches just aren't, you know, conducive to our game. They make it harder um, to play the way we want to play. But we're the best team in the league. We should be able to deal with that. We should be able to adapt and change uh, how we approach these games in order to get them scalped. Thanks, Chin. Um, listen, we're gonna we're gonna move on to the Reykjavik game last night. Um, you know. The, the Cynic Weekly is um, obviously the the staple show, the headline event of the, the Cynic Empire. Um, always has been, always will be. Um, but there are a number of wide-ranging different 
types of shows on the Patreon that you can you can subscribe to and, and listen to. One of them is the reaction podcast that, that happens after every game. Um, there's different different groups of of people that are that are on different regulars that are on for different games, either home, away, or in Europe. Me and Sarmani are on the, the away games this season. Um, it's an all right team, aye. That's all right, you know. You know, get second goals, best, maybe. Few goals between maybe us. Third best. Um, but you know, last night on the reaction, they broke the game down. They talk about they, they talked about the game and the kind of story of the game and stuff. We don't really do that on the cynic weekly. You know, we're we're kind of looking at it from a different perspective after the game, maybe the day after or whatever. Um, so we're not going to go go through the whole game. Um, a, a couple of kind of surprise changes in the lineup. I thought maybe worth mentioning the fact that um, the Ayer and Frimpong were out. Um, and in their place came Beaton and Elhamid, um, which is great to see. The rest of the lineup really kind of picked itself. Um, you know, we we ran out six 0 winners. It was very comfortable on the night, of course. Um, Reykjavik really didn't really didn't offer very much, and and it became a bit of a almost like a preseason friendly really in the second half. Um, who stood out out of either players that came in or, or, or just the, the starting lineup as it was? Was there anybody that really really showed their worth in that in that game last night? I think for me, Moyle and and um, El Hamid both kind of stood out. If you're talking about somebody that's came into the squad and and Moy just um, you know he's this season he's maybe he's had little flashes, but he's not. Did it for an entire game, let's say, but yeah, he, he was pulling the strings last night. Uh, for me, it was uh, Olivia and Cham. Um, and I'm sure we're going to talk about him, but how this guy doesn't start, I don't know. I don't know. And I'm sure Louis will say two words and they'll be Scott Brown. Um, but th- the fact of the matter is that I, 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 I'm the type of person who would build my team around them. I made that I made that perfectly clear about a season and a half ago. And I was I was And yet Neil Lennon hasn't listened yet, Chris. <laughs> Fuck Let's up. See bloody playing that. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck up, mate. I just I just I just think he's a he's a magnificent footballer and uh, I, I just think he should be playing every week. I, I thought I thought in the second half where he he controlled that midfield area and he drove his on. Kind of reminded me in a way how he played against Rangers when we beat them one 0 at Parkhead. Uh, when Brendan Rogers was still, in, Brendan Ratchers was still involved in, in, in charge. I just think he's a, he's a, he's a match winner. He, he's he does stuff that no one else can do, and it's an absolute travesty that he'll probably go within this window. I think uh, see, just to go touch on, I, I would agree with Boud that El Yunusi and um, El Hamed stood out for me. I need to mention El Hamed. He's a guy who, if he was fit, would be held in fire, fire, far higher esteem by the support. I, I don't think they don't, but I just think there's always the question mark over his fitness. I think I think he is a really, really composed defender, and hopefully he can stay fit this season because he could be huge for us. Uh, El Yunusi looked sharp, which is probably the question mark over him, how he, he needs to get to that level and stay there with his fitness, and that's definitely the case. On in Cham, and I suppose if we're going to move into that, Louis probably would point the finger at Brown. 
I would point the finger right now at Ryan Christie. Uh, in that midfield, if I was to bring in Cham in for somebody, it would not be Brown, it would be Ryan Christie. Now, Christie scored huge goals for us last season. This isn't me saying Christie's not a good player. And the guy scored against Lazio, you know, he scored against Leipzig for us. He scored goals at a fairly high level for us, and we know there's a player there. But right now, no, I don't think he's composed enough in possession. I think he, he kind of runs about. I think I think the phrase headless chicken was used. Um, that maybe is a bit harsh, but he's just, for me, Ryan Christie is standing out like a sore thumb as somebody in that midfield that doesn't deserve their place over Olivier and Cham. Why? What's, the, the, so, the, the, only reason, the only reason I would say Brown, though, is just purely because Incham has came on for Brown. Last night, again, we saw, in, in, and it was the 63rd minute that he came on for Scott Brown. Um, but he didn't play his role. But he didn't play his role, though. No, he, he didn't play his role, but uh, uh, just his personnel is, is you know, he, he, he didn't play the Scott Brown role, but no one's going to play that role. I think Scott Brown plays that role and has that role because he's limited in what he can give now. You know, it's, it's, it's not necessarily where he's always played, of course. We've seen him in various positions, but I think there he, for it forever, basically. I mean, he started, obviously, as an out-and-out attacker, but come fuck on. Fuck up, Boud. He's only Jesus been Christ. Can, For years he's been in that, that holding position. Can, can I make a point about Ryan Christie? And this is something I've noticed. We've been talking about him you know, quite a lot this season. He's been quite a, quite a you top... You fucking hate him, gal. You no, hate him. What I dislike, I dislike when managers pick players who are out of form and sacrifice really good players... Uh, because for whatever reason so what i just it's sermani said it there and it's something that everyone brings up the caveat we always have with christy is you always say christy was great last season everyone says i find myself saying it and he was but that's not this that's not this but, season aye, so you can't live no, three no. competitive games into this season i'm not saying i i agree with you but he also can I just make a point? This idea that since, no, 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 no. Hold on a minute. Done. Since, since the, no, he's not. We're not saying he's done. But since you're the, saying he's, he should retire from since, professional football, since the term, you're saying that we should sell Ryan Christie before we sell Thomas Peter Rogic. You That's said they I'm should take out cricket, girl. You said they should play cricket. Since the turn of the year, Christie has been in poor form. Not, not since. I'm not even talking about since the start of the season. I'm talking about. Since 2020. So, I mean, if you, you if you remember the performance, mind Ryan Christie. What about Tony Christie? That's a quote from you. From me? From you, I. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Fair right. enough. Uh, I, I heard if, you say that. If you remember his last, you remember the game against Rangers when he was absolutely appalling. He never recovered from that, and his form never hit the heights that it did the season before. Uh, the, 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 the before the winter break. I'm, I'm not. I, Ryan Christie absolutely has his place, but see when your place, see when your place isn't um, up for grabs, as it were, you get comfortable. And I don't think Ryan Christie... Ryan Christie would be better knowing that he has someone breathing down his neck, I, I think. And that means yeah. he has to be dropped. Gal, can I, can I put this to you, right? You're the Celtic manager, right? You've got to pick, pick a midfield three. Now, regardless of position or roles in the past or anything like that, you've you've picked in Cham because he's, he's your man. You're loving Cham, yep. right? McGregor, you don't have a choice about. If you had a choice between Brown and Christie, regardless of role or position, just a body in that midfield that can offer something, who do you pick? 
that that's a tough question. Um, but I go with Scott Brown. Because because he brings, and I know it's something we always talk about, he brings qualities that Ryan Christie doesn't. Ryan, Ryan Christie right now is, is really off form. He's really off form. He is. Shooting's, yeah, no, his, I, shooting's appalling. I agree with that. I think, I think you, Lennon should be basing it on form. Right now, Christie's not doing very much. To be fair, Brown wasn't doing very much. But I think last who'd, night it looked decent but, enough. About same question to you then. Who, who do you pick if you've got in Cham Christie and you've in Cham McGregor, sorry, and you've got a choice between Christie and Brown? Who do you pick? I mean, if it's a game tomorrow, it would probably be Brown on his on his form. I think over the season we're gonna start on his to form, see. Really? Yeah. On his, but, see, see, right now, but see, see, right now, see the point you're making is we've only played a handful of games, right? But Olivier and Cham and the the the, the small amount we've seen, the small sample, if you're going to go down the old Christian route here, nice, nice. and the small sample you've seen of Olivier and Cham is. He should be in that mid- midfield in front of either of them. That's the only what the data set says. The only player who's in there that you wouldn't replace in Cham for just now is Callum McGregor. Either of them you could take out and put in Cham in. And I accept this is so early in the season, people might be getting up to speed. But right now, based on how they've performed and what you've seen of them, either Brown or Christie coming out and Cham go in would improve the team. Also, when As- when Christie, Christie loses the ball, which he does frequently, it costs us in terms of turnovers and in terms of counter-attacks that's not the same with Scott Brown so if you think about if you think about the final third and you think about what Christie does with the ball and the position he's in he obviously loses it a lot more because he okay he's trying to make things happen but he loses it a lot more yeah. and therefore it's more dangerous um, when he is in bad form than it is when technically my Scott Brown is. By the time the season's out, Christie's going to be player of the season. I hope so, I hope so. We we, we won 6-0 last night. Try and enjoy yourself. (laughs) I know. Try and enjoy yourself. eh? I I think my my argument to that would be, I think increasingly I'm watching Scott Brown and thinking that, you know, I, I think we could probably do what Scott Brown does. Most of the time when Scott Brown receives the ball, he's in acres of space and he's passing it on. And I, very rarely now am I seeing Scott Brown really pressing Harry and shut people down to win the ball back. It's not. It's not. It's becoming less of a role for him, and I think that it's probably a role that maybe Christie could do better. You know, I, I would be intrigued to see Christie maybe in a deeper role, maybe in the Scott Brown role. I don't think see how pa- he could perform there. Don't think his passing is good enough. Listen, I, I just think there's a lot of criticism being put at Christie and as you say, maybe people are getting up to speed. I, I don't want to write Christie off. No. I, I still think he's got a lot to give. But the one thing that I think we're all unanimous in is that Encham needs to start. I mean, he came on last night and he looked. His first pass, that kind of chipped, lobbed pass, he immediately looked ahead, head and shoulders above anybody else like he was playing a different game what's it going to take for Enchant to start? Lads 6-0 <laughs> come on let's not get the knives out for the negatives what's the point of this you're just getting your knives out just saying something positive about Enchant what's it going to take for him to start? no but you're not but you're, cou- you're basically couching it in terms to go with your continued vendetta against our captain Scott Brown Listen, I'm an last night. focus I'm on a- the positives those Focus bastards in the egg council got to you, Louis. I'm an I'm an angry wee man tonight. You know what I mean? Tam's almost out the door. Give me some 
Give me some leeway. Um, no, you don't want to talk about Encham, that's fine. No, no, we have talked about Encham and we've said that he should be in that team just now. But let's talk about... It's like when your mum comes in and checks you. That's what this is like. I feel like I'm getting checked off some money. Oh, <laughs> you know, Celebrate! I've been, I've been accused in the past, rightly, of being negative about it. But let's not focus on... Who should then, yeah. who should be in and who shouldn't be out the team? We can mention it, and we have mentioned it, and I think we all agree in Cham should. But okay, I'll let's talk, talk I, about the point last night. Okay, come I, on, guys. I, I, Woo! I thought, on, you, on you go down, so many was was the positives last night. Fuck that mob are crap. Man. I'm just <laughs> it was a it was a lot of shite, wasn't it? You know, we, we knew we were going to win. I think they were one to four hundred and forty-five billion. So uh, there is no real positives. No, uh, uh, all joking aside. That was good, right? Because I know we were expected to win. I know they were short odds, and I know that um, Iceland isn't exactly the football capital of the world, right? But we went out there, and from very early on, we won the game. When Elianusi got onto that ball um, from Julian, great ball, uh, took a touch, put it round. It was a great, great ball from Julian. Took a touch round the keeper. That was it. You knew the game was done. Then you knew. I mean, the fact that the goalkeeper looked as if. You know, he shouldn't have been on a football pitch. You know, that, that kind of cemented that, um, that that we were going to win the game. But we did our business so efficiently and professionally last night. And um, El Yunusi as well. I mean, I, I really do want to focus on him because he's a guy that in some of the other podcasts in the Cynic we've talked about questioned his quality because we've seen it in flashes last season in any of these injury problems. And he came back to a big fanfare. It was maybe a wee bit overshadowed because Forster never came back. Everybody's expecting him to come back as a pair and it didn't happen. Um, but he's came back. Some people have questioned him. Maybe not his ability, but his ability to turn it on all the time. And regardless of the standard of the opposition, he looked really, really sharp last night. From the early goal to the sixth goal, the way he got onto the sixth goal, he looked hungry. He, you know, At that time, you don't need to be busting a gut. The game's already won. But he went in and he got onto that ball and made it his own. And it was really, really pleasing, especially when we were at Kilmarnock in the last game. And there was a bit of a, an issue about creativity or something like that. Moy's one of the guys that you think, yes, he will need to produce for us. And seeing him like that last night was really pleasing because it reinforced to some people who may have been doubting him, that's a football player and we've got him for the season. A couple of points I want to bring up. Firstly, that his work rate was exceptional last night. So we're talking about when we were 2-0 up, I think it was, uh, we lose the ball in midfield, and he ran from, you know, just outside the the Icelandic team's box, Reykjavik's box, all the way back and made a tackle. We're 2-0 up. They're not really causing us any problems, but his determination and his professionalism and his just respect for his for his teammates, absolutely superb. I think that, Elianusi for away ties in Europe is going to be a match winner for us. Um, obviously, his performance against Lazio in, in Rome was fantastic, really hard working again, just really doing as much bit dirty work as he was doing creative work. But for me, Elianusi, I think, is, is, is a huge, huge asset for us. But also, I like the fact that Celtic, how many times have you seen a team go 2 or 3-0 up in a game like that and then just kind of drop off? And, you know, we wouldn't have held it against them if they'd just played keep ball and, you know, they'd made the odd chance. But they were, in patches last night, devastating. 
devastating. Cutting the team open, you can say what you want about that team not being much, but up to much, but you still have to beat them. You have to still have to actually score the goals. And we scored three goals in that first half, and three goals going on about six or seven. How we didn't have a penalty. I mean, I'll, I'll I'll never know. That was an absolute stone ball. stone cold penalty. <laughs> but um, hats off to Celtic's professionalism and some really great individual performances. Yeah, I think the trio of Elinusi, Eddie, and and Cham could be absolutely devastating going forward if if we get to see it. Why? why? So is, that, is, that, is that a point done there, about? It's a short, sharp point. <laughs> In and out. Just like your chin. Um it's gonna see yeah. my love life, but <laughs> um listen, we had a we had a question on, on Twitter that I want to come to. Listen, I just want to say thanks to everybody for the outcrying of uh, support that I've had um in the last few hours on Twitter. Um, on, been, it's on, been beautiful uh, on the flipboard on loads of different uh, social media platforms. Uh, I'm okay. I'm struggling. I'm trying to see the positives and everything. Uh, Andrew Angus. Yeah. Andrew Angus has asked, who is taking Tam's the greatest title? Um, The greatest title, um, obviously it's Tam's. It's Tam's to give out. Um, But I also gave the kind of secondary place to uh, Hatem Elhamid. And I think he he needs to wear it. He, He deserves it. He's handsome enough for it, just like Tom was. Um, and I thought last night he was very, very good, as we have seen. Um, I think numerous times, I think he's really impressed, obviously, just like Tam. You've got to worry about his injuries and his, his fitness and things like that. But he looks a very, he's a very kind of dependable player when he's on the pitch. I never have any concerns about him. He, he offers quite a lot in an attacking sense, but I've always got confidence in him defensively. Obviously, he's up against Jeremy Frimpong for the for the right-back position. Um, he can also play as part of maybe a, a back three. Um, do you think Elhamid's performance last night, does it give Lennon food for thought in any way, or is it just simply he's second best and that's it. No, no, I, I think it reinforces what it's easy to forget with his fitness record that he is. I think I've said in the past that Elhamed strikes me as a defender who would be playing at a higher level, a much higher level for a longer time if he could remain fit. Now, Frimpong's such an exciting talent. I wouldn't be particularly satisfied if it was a straight shootout between him and uh, Elhamed for the right back position. I'd be interested to see him in a three. Now, obviously, Shane Duffy was spotted several times last night in the Parkhead area <laughs> at the Superstore um, in the ground with his agent. You know, he was at Spa you know, at one point. Watching motors, even though there was no supports supporters there. So I still would like someone like Duffy to come in. But I think El Hamid... And a, a, a three, I'd like to see his play a 3-5-2. And I think uh, El Hamid's got a huge, huge role to play there because of his, comp- his composure, his ability to defend and his ability to attack. But at the same time, if if you're saying to me, do you want to play El Hamed or Frimpong at right back? That's it's a great problem to have. I know that's a cliche, but you, they've, they've got so many qualities between the two of them. You've got, you know, you'd hope you would be able to get them both in the side, and that's that's maybe something that we'll look at. But um, 
yeah, it, it, it just reinforced how good a player he is to me. And that's the thing with Frimpong as well. I mean, he is a young boy, so you don't want him playing 55, 60 games a season necessarily. Um, I think there's plenty, there's plenty to go around between them. Well, you look at Kieran Tierney and what we've done to him. It was great. We got, you know, four amazing years out of him or whatever, but now he's broke with Arsenal, so. But why don't you think a 19-year-old who's fully fit can't play 50 60, games? 60, 70 games. No, I said, you said 50. I said 55, 60, because okay. but but there's the, less qualifiers. But, Are you saying you want to play a, a young boy to play 80, 90 games a season? Oh, Jesus Christ. Why, uh, 100 what, games a season, this gal. Is why, this is why. Are you a fucking... 300 games a season. Jesus Christ. I, I, just, I just think there's this I, narrative that a young boy can't play a lot of football when I, I think they probably can. I think it's well, fine. I, I, no, no. There's a balance. Of course there's a balance, right? I, I, I get your Thank point. Thank you. But there we are. Didn't tell what's it that hard, gal. Wasn't that hard? We got there in the end. Just a wee balance. Just swap it. Just switching the games between them. Switching the system sometimes, like Sir Manny said. What I liked about El got Hamid, there in the end. What I liked about El, El Hamid last night was you, you didn't take some of the weight off from Pong's shoulders. That's fantastic. That's a great point, Gal. <laughs> what I liked about El Hamid last night was. The fact that you didn't know where he was going to do, going to go, you didn't know if he was going to cut inside, if he was going to cut outside, or you know if he was going to you know pass it back into the middle, or whatever. I he he I thought he sometimes. So I'm not going to criticize sit and criticize you know Greg Taylor, or I'm not going to sit criticize. Well, you can't criticize Frimpong because he's class, but sometimes you'll see fullbacks in the Scottish Premier League or Scottish Premiership. Sorry, absolutely telegraph what they're going to do. So you know from their stand position what exactly they're going to do. So you know that Greg Taylor, more times than not, is going to go on the outside. Because he doesn't have a right foot. Exactly. El Hamed last night, I didn't know what he was going to do. Now, that might be from the fact that we've only seen him a handful of times, but I think he has the qualities where he he doesn't beat people the way that Frimpong beats people. Frimpong literally stands people up and can beat them for pace, can put the ball on both feet, and so he's he's you know he's a I think he's really going to be a, a top top level player. El Hamid just seems really really intelligent with how he takes people on, and he I, th- I think I, I, when I talked about Encham and how we should find a place for Encham in this team, I do the only thing it comes down to injuries. But I think El Hamid is going to play more games this season than a lot of people will think certainly. But that only depends on if he can avoid injury. I think that there was nothing kind of suspicious about the fact that Frimpong and I were out. I think it was purely kind of squad rotation, trying to get uh, players games, um, which is a good thing. I think a very sensible thing from Neil Lennon's point of view. He's not going to have many, many kind of opportunities to get players game time necessarily because of the kind of competitive nature of the league this season and and obviously the games coming up in Europe. Um, One player that we did see that we... You know, we didn't really talk about last week on the the Cynic Weekly just because it wasn't quite confirmed when we recorded the podcast. Was uh, Albion Ajetti's arrival? Um, you know, it was rumored obviously for quite a while. It was on, it was off, it was on um, that he was going to sign on loan with an option to buy. It turns out that the club um, paid the money up front and just bought him. 
for four four point five million, um, which I think was a move that really surprised the majority of the support. I don't that wasn't really muted that that was going to happen, but um, it was maybe something to do with the, the kind of Ivan Tony pursuit and the fact that they were asking for so much. You know, you, you not suspect Tony. Don't yeah. Well, not not quite over yet, but we'll come to that. Um, but Ayeti played played um, last night. So kind of two points, I suppose. You know, what are your thoughts on the, on him signing? You know, in terms of maybe not necessarily about him as a player, because I don't think many of us have really seen a lot of him. But you know, are you pleased with the signing? And also, how did you think he looked last night? Uh, personally, I, I thought he looked a bit off the pace, which is understandable. He, he's been on holiday for the last few weeks. He's not played proper football in quite a while um, but I'm excited by it I'm quite kind of buoyed by the fact that the club just went out and spent the money and, and brought him in um, I think he's definitely a on paper he's a step up in quality compared to what we had behind Edward as, as number one um, it's kind of clear that Griffiths can't be relied upon at this point and, and Klamala another player that I'd like to hear your opinion on who, who came on last night he can't he can't place the the burden on his shoulders to get so many goals in the season. But I'm 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 hopeful. I'm I'm very hopeful about it, Jay. Yeah, I mean I think it was a, a decent statement of intent. Um paying the money for him. Good pedigree in terms of Bow. Didn't work out at West Ham. That happens, especially at a club like West Ham. Um he looked like a guy who was in holiday two weeks before, which is fine. You know, I'm Exactly, he looked off the pace because he probably is. He needs to get sharpness in. Just bringing him on, no shut John Hartson up. John Hartson had basically, see, as an analysis, man. I mean, Fucking I feel hell. sorry for Tom Boyd. Um, <laughs> yeah. apparently, apparently, he used to do the Celtic TV punditry. Yeah, apparently, uh, we, used to, we used to think he was biased and shit. <laughs> but Hartson. Why isn't Lennon bringing on players to give them? I would make a sub now. I'd make, hey, there's no, I'd make a sub. He just keeps saying sub, sub. To be fair, we were all thinking it. So, no, he literally from the 10th minute, he was like sub, sub. And we were all thinking it though. He had money on it, but. Do you know, nothing was worse than him and Strachan's uh, post match nine or 10 debate. I didn't, I didn't see that. What happened? What? Edward's a nine. No, he's a 10. No, no, no. I think he's a nine. No, he's a 10. Just over and over? Strachan said he was a 10. Harrison yep. said he was a 9. <laughs> Give him the number 7 shot. Uh, Split the difference. Give uh, him an 8. On, on a jetty, we've got uh, the Cynic have a scouting network that we're doing where we are scouting all of the targets that Celtic are linked with. Uh, Stephen Russell's part of our scout network, uh, hosted by Christian Wolf. Um we are doing we're, so. We did one on a jetty. We did one on Barcast where we highlighted their um their, their strengths and weaknesses and what they are as players. This is all on the Patreon. Um, but we're doing a thing uh, moving forward where we're going to be doing opposition scouting. So Stephen and Christian will create a report and they'll put it into a podcast of what we can expect from the opposition teams we're playing, just to give us a flavour of you know what to expect. And then you know if, if we listen to it and we're doing a, a preview on uh, the Cynic Weekly, then you know Louis can refer to that or or whatever. It's just more more of a tool, but they're really kind of interesting. Um, Ajeti, really shocked that we signed him um, on a permanent contract. Looked at a lot of what the West Ham players, uh, sorry West Ham fans, were saying about him. 
a lot of them are really disappointed that he wasn't given the opportunity. He's played West Sham. That's what I call them. West Sham. Uh, he, he's got. He's done a hell of a lot in European football in terms of you know scoring Olivier for Bal. He's good, eye. <laughs> for that, uh, the podcast you're talking about there, Gal, as well. That'll be on Ferenc Faros. Yes, it's confirmed. Two 0 over your garden. Yeah, so we're recording a podcast tomorrow. Stephen has watched the game today, and he's watching all of the all the footage of Ferenc Faros over the last season and a half. And we're going to do a scouting opposition scouting report, and that will be out sometime soon. So that's the sort of kind of in depth coverage that we have in the the, the cynic. Um, on the Patreon, patreon.com slash 90 minutes cynic, but soon to be our own platform, independent of anyone else. It'll be pure and an app and all that, and it'll be class. Yes, girl. When, when's that launching, girl? It's launching on the 1st of September, Chris. Um, thanks for asking. Um, well, there'll be plenty of updates uh, throughout, and uh, we'll keep you all updated. But I, a jetty, I think, is going to be a. an excellent signing. And as Louis, as you said, Louis, if you go on his Instagram, I mean, he was on a boat. Uh, eating like you know big French, fancy French food like a week ago, so you can't you can only expect them to to improve from here. Hi, ninety minutes cynic is not writing off Albion <laughs> Ajeti after the Reykjavik. Game. The only reason I'm you, on, you may on. not be Chris or Manny. You may not. You I'll speak for myself. Thank you very much. I just want to be Me. quoted in the Football Insider or whatever it is. <laughs> Just I'm just saying anything, so I'll get quoted. Better level to get quoted in that site. Celtic pundit. I'm throwing a jetty overboard here. He's done. Off the a jetty. That'll do. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and, the, and the big man, obviously, uh, the Albanian uh, president. You were right in in the act. Don't you worry about that. Why? Loving it. He was loving it. Some boy. Yeah, it'd be good if he invited the cynics over for a wee, a wee party night in the pub or something. We should know? get him on. We should get him on. I think he cancelled. Did they not cancel elections last year? Because <laughs> no, oh, all right, okay, politically <laughs> it might be dodgy, but who cares? You know what I mean? <laughs> We're not in a position to get all high and mighty did, about things. I did, I did see he tweeted his commiserations to Donald Trump because his brother died. Not ideal. He's <laughs> a nice guy. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe it's just pleasantness. Yeah. He's a big Trump fan, as well, about. Um, uh, Jesus. So, Samani, can you can you uh, confirm who it is that we've got next week in Europe? Ferenc Faros, Hungarian side. Now, that's, that's plenty. Um, so I, I, you just wanted me to say that. You didn't want me to give my in-depth opinion about them and Hungarian football. Well, I'm <laughs> going to see Hungarian football. It was pure minted back in the 50s. Since then, it's not been as minted. However, this is still a tricky tie. Thank you. Is that your hot take last season in Hungary? In Hungary, I the Hungarian team won in, in Hungary. Thanks. Um, you know, uh, how confident are we going into that game? I mean, obviously, we'll, I don't know when, when is the game next week. What day? Next what Wednesday. day is it? Will we record another one before? No, it's next Wednesday. So we'll we'll record on the yeah, Tuesday night, so. night before. So we'll, we'll kind of preview it obviously then and uh, look back at the weekend's game, but. You know, I, I think we've got to be positive after last night's last night's game. You know, I'd, winning six 0 very comfortably. Okay, the standard of the opposition wasn't great, but you know, it, it's it's difficult enough going into these games. I think the one the, the kind of single leg 
nature of it. I mean, how, did that come into anybody's head last night? Probably not because of the level of opposition. But as we go through the competition, what we've got the net this the the second round next week, and then what a third round before the playoff. So the second and third are still one-legged ties. It's gonna be it's gonna become a factor. Uh, I think I believe the third round draws Friday, so we'll know by next week who will play and whether they will be home and away. Home and away. I mean, if it's so, if for example, if we'd gotten uh, the Swedish team, then we wouldn't have necessarily been playing at home. We would have had to have went to a neutral venue because they are not an air path for us because they are all on our quarantine list. So, even if we get an away tie, we might have it might have to go to a neutral venue. So there's all these complications. Yeah, that's come to that when when it when it comes up um but big big appetite for this fixture coming up against this team could be tasty um are you hungry for it bud incredibly hungry yes uh but you're talking about the knock the, the, the one the one game ties it kind of it well the better team's always going to do better over two ties or typically is so it, it hurts us in the qualifiers um you know we're coming up we're, we we we're the seeded team. We're going to be favourites against all of these teams, maybe up until the playoffs, maybe even in the playoffs. So, uh, at which point it goes to two ties anyway. But um, I, I, it could, it could hurt us. I mean, we we spanked, we spanked Reykjavik. But to be honest, I was a little bit, a little bit fearful just because it's Celtic in Europe going into the game. Uh, I mean, see, having a home, a one-legged home tie at this stage of the Champions League qualification you would have taken that I mean despite the fact that this mob could be a bit of pest of a side oh um, very good um, very good yeah you know there, there is literally no excuses if you cannot beat a Hungarian side in a one-off tie at Celtic Park despite the fact the atmosphere is surreal like it was last night with no supporters um this is a this is as much of a gimme as well. That's maybe the wrong thing to say. Oh come but, on, you! No, no. When I can't say, say that. In terms of advantage, a one-legged tie at Celtic Park. You know, and see if we don't qualify, if we don't beat them, then questions should be asked. I think because we've got all the advantages here. So, um, if you'd been told this before that at the start of the season, this would be happening, you would be absolutely delighted. You don't have that travelling away. Um, Ferenc Varos support, I think, are quite vocal. So that would have been an, you know, that atmosphere would have been difficult to go to. We don't have that. We've got a game at Celtic Park, one off to beat them, and we really should do it. Yeah. Also, I mean, if you look at the two-legged factor, you know, if you go away to, you know, Hungary and you you don't have the bit, you have a bit of a bad night, and you can see two, and you lose two one. The home game, you're obviously starting at a disadvantage, even though you're at home, and you know you'd like to think, but you know the way Neil Lennon plays and against Kluge, where we just pushed up and pushed up and pushed up and pushed up, and we get caught. If if, if the away team have anything to protect, you know, we won't have that with the one one-legged games. It's just literally a one-off game. So I'm very happy with it up until the third, up until the playoff, and then at the playoff when the level of opposition is probably at our level. That's when you're like, okay, you know what, I could do with an away tie that I could maybe turn over or, or whatever. But obviously it comes... It's a, 
Yeah, it's a two-game tie for the playoff, though. That's what I mean, though. But that's why I think a two-game tie for the, the playoff is ideal. It's Be- better. Yeah, it's better yeah, for us. Two, two bites at a cherry, really. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, of course, we'll, uh, the game's next Wednesday. Then, uh, next week on the Cynic Weekly, back our usual uh, usual day, Tuesday, we'll, we'll look forward to the game. Um, transfer news, um, obviously, with a jetty coming in, um, as Solani alluded to earlier, we're, we're still linked with Tony um, at Peterborough. Brentford were meant to have a bid accepted. A, I think it was about six point five million up front, and then the rest on add-ons to take it up to ten million. But apparently, he has rejected that. He doesn't want to move to the Championship. He wants to move to a Premiership club. Whether we are on a par with the Premiership club in his eyes for the, the stature of the club and, and what we can offer maybe in Europe um, we'll need to wait and see with the jetty coming in though do we need another striker would you like to see another striker come in um, I, I think there was some talk that Tony could play wide right which would maybe give you another option I don't know I don't know how true that is because I don't know enough about him um, with a jetty and um, it's less of a priority now uh, I would like to see us get Duffy or a centre half, a left back and a right winger in um, as the priority but we would only go for another forward if we were going to play 3-5-2 which we might do this season but it's not it's not the focal point now for me anyway. I think I think a jetty's been told that he's going to get be given an opportunity for game time as a striker and I it's, think it's, it, it's got to be 3-5-2 isn't it? I think it has to be. It could be four four two with a diamond. It could be four three three with a, a really narrow three up top. I, I don't know. That I mean, there is options for three four three four three is an option. Three four three domestically could work. I don't know if Lennon would be that bold, but I think two up top will definitely be used this season. Whether it's used starting out every game or whether we revert to that is a different tale. Whether we use it for specific games, you know home and away I don't know but I guarantee that Celtic will go two up top in some games this season this season and for that you need four strikers and I think Ajeti, Klamala, Eddie and you know you either you either make a decision with Griffiths you say right okay you've got one last chance and you know you're back in the fold 100% or you make that decision to put him out on loan or get rid of him I think I think either I think that decision has to be made now. I'm starting to think that Lennon's going to give him another chance, so I don't necessarily know if you need a fourth striker. Out, out, too. You you loan Griff to Hibs so he can just get it right up the, the current buns. Uh, I know your question was about Ivan Tonev, but. Um, Ivan Tonev. Ivan Tonev. I, I, Jesus. He, Ivan he's, Tonev. A, he's a racist. Uh, I, 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 no, I agree with that. I think if we're consistently playing two up front, which it looks like we will be, not necessarily every, every week, but it's a formation that we will be regularly using, then ideally want four strikers. I don't think Griff is necessarily in the plans, so we could see another body coming in. You'd be surprised if we spent five million five and a half million on uh, Ajeti and then another chunk on Tony. That might get alarm bells ringing about Eddie, but it could just be the, the bold thinking for the future. We know, you know, if we could keep old Eddie, 
we all, we're all assuming next summer he's, he's fully off, so we've got to have some forward planning here. So it could just be that we're we need best. We need a fucking left back. Even, even, even if that's Greg, what, yeah, that's what I was going to come to. I mean, there's there's no real news. There's there's nothing in terms of left back. We're not seriously linked with anybody. You know, Greg Taylor got injured last night. And I think we probably all felt the same. It was like, oh shit! You know, could, Cal- I mean, Callum McGregor's suddenly got to be playing left back again. You know, we need to get someone in, and it's not looking likely right now. It's a bit yeah. of a worry. I, you've got to think they're, they're thinking about it, but it, it seems like it very much could have been. You bought Taylor. You bought Ball and Golly last year. You're not getting money for another um, left back, and then the Bolly situation is. Is a cud, and now you've got to think that Lennon's got sway with the board to actually get money for a left back. Did, did, did any, not sticking with Bolly. Did anybody get a wee bit worried when they saw how proud the the Lennon and, and his assistants looked when Taylor scored last night? I mean, it was like you know, yes, come on, wee man, we love you. I, I was like, oh no, they're they're going to pick him ahead of anybody because they just absolutely love the boy. I, I thought it was a disgrace the way the management team <laughs> showed support for uh, our left back. Lennon out on the basis of that. If I can mute you, I would. I, I just, you know, I, I think, you know, whether you think Greg Taylor should be starting or not, um, we need a left back. We, we have no other left back at all. There's my left back, Louis. Where is my left back? Exactly. Um, Greg Taylor's, you know, he, he can do a job. Certainly, do a job in the, in the Scottish uh, Premiership. Um, I, I do worry when we, we take a step up, step up a level. I think against Copenhagen at home, for example, I, he looked complete. Now, n- not everyone shone that night, of course, but him particularly. I was sitting um, really close to where he was playing in the first half, and he just he just looked so, a little bit out of his depth. And good news for you, pal. We played in Europe last night, scored a goal. So. And the management team were chuffed to bits with it. You're right, we need another left back. See, with Taylor, though, I mean, he is going to get better. I think he is improving. But even when he gets into good forward positions, I still think he isn't particularly good. Now, you get two assists against Hamilton, so, and he scored last night, so I'm not... You, you can't com- totally criticise the guy. But still, sometimes when he gets into good positions, I don't think he's... He needs to improve in terms of picking people out in the box. Sometimes he just seems to hit it in, and he's not got—he's not picking somebody out, you know, and saying I'm going to try and hit you with this ball. That needs to improve. And but I think overall is one-footedness, and you alluded to it earlier on, and the predictability of that is going to hold him back. I do think he'll get better. I do think he's going to be a good addition to the squad. But at the very minimum, we need somebody at. Uh, that's able to challenge him because right now, as you said, Louis as well, he took a knock last night, and that leaves us in a in a bad position. So it's that's probably if they said if the Lennon came out and said we're only going to sign one more player this season, I would have to say it has to be a left back. I mean, see if see if he did get injured and we have to go to a back three. You're going to a back three with four centre halves, and one of them's not even a centre half. One of them is a, a midfielder. It's not ideal. At all, because not only do we need a left back, absolutely we need a left back. We need another centre half now, not next week. No. 
Toma at Toma Taylor on uh, Twitter asks, assuming Incham and Rodjick are both leaving, which uh, I think is uh, false, um, do the boys feel we have enough depth in midfield? Because I'm personally choking for a creative player. We've been linked again with uh, Turnbull at Motherwell, who obviously we were... Um, you know, we had in the building he was about to sign and we all know the drama with Turnbull I think it's been a bit unfair in the last couple of days where a lot of people saying we're bringing in Turnbull to replace in Cham I, I think that's harsh he's replacing um, Tam oh you can fuck up Um you know I think Turnbull is an obvious signing for Celtic we should be signing the best young talent in Scotland and Turnbull is arguably the best of the young talent in Scotland regardless of whether a player is leaving I think it's maybe a, a bit of a lazy comparison to think that he's just going to come in and replace him he's not the same type of player as in Cham obviously um, do we have a you know if those two players do leave I think we would all say that we've got five very good players for three positions in the centre of the park if two of them leave do we suddenly have an issue and, and where does Turnbull come into that? I think I think we've got an issue now I don't think, other than Tam, who isn't fit for purpose in terms of fitness, um, he's the only one with that real bit of magic. Uh, and Cham's not a number 10, absolutely not. Um, Christie has shown he's not a number 10. Turnbull's not a number 10. Turnbull is Stephen Pearson with better technique. And that's not a criticism at all, because I think Stephen Pearson was a great player. But he's not... He's not a creative player. He's not going to take the ball down and start creating things the way that you want your number 10 to do. He'll be on the end of things. And if he joins Celtic, it's a level up and it's a different style. He'll be on the end of things. He'll be running beyond your strikers. He'll get you 10 goals a season if he plays. But he's not going to be that number 10. And Christie isn't it. And Cham isn't it. Rogic isn't it. So if you bring Turnbull in, you know, he's, he's not in any way going to be the creative spark that we need. I think he's a great player and I'm, I'm a big fan of him, but he's not going to do the job that people are thinking he's going to do. doesn't need to come from a 10. I mean, people think that you need a 10 to create. It can come from the wide positions. Now, Forrest is going to be able to do that at times. Um, Elianusi, off the back of last night's performance, you would hope. But I'm going to say it again. Patrick Roberts. Why is he not being linked every week? In fact, I'm linking him. <laughs> he's, we need somebody like that. Now, yeah. it, it doesn't necessarily, you know, Roberts is an easy one to go to because he played for us and because you know what he did and, the, and he moved Forrest on to another level in terms of his game. But see if you've got somebody of that ilk who can, you know, thread a pass, that's probably what we're missing. And then the natural assumption, that's the 10, that's what Rogic does or whatever. It doesn't necessarily need to be there, but I think we need to get it in the side in some way. Uh, and that's maybe something that's missing and I would like, I'd like to uh, us to look for. All right. Proud, if you could come off uh, Babe Station, just take part in the podcast, right. that'd be good. Yeah, yeah. Um, Babe Station is fantastic. Uh, what were you asking? <laughs> Fuck's Brilliant. Um, at the weekend, we are uh, we're playing Dundee United on Saturday. Um, finally, obviously, back to to league action. Um, Dundee United 
um, taking over with Mickey Mellon. I think they've been impressive at the start of the, start of the season. They are currently fourth in the league on seven points. They've had a couple of wins, uh, a draw and a defeat, I believe. Um, but, you know, I just wonder... How do you think this game will be? Like, what type of game will it be? We've we've came off at the back of the, obviously the the Kilmarnock game. We've seen what's happened to Rangers at Livingston. Um, will it be a similar game to that, or do you expect a wee bit more from Dundee Dundee United in an attacking sense, which you know probably would play into our hands? I think this game will be, you know, when we're talking about the start of the season about no stadium. Uh, stadiums being empty and the best teams uh, matching up against each other and how in the Bundesliga the away teams actually did better or just the better teams that went away uh, I think that's what this will be I don't think Dundee United aren't going to play the way that Livingston or Kermanock did they'll come they won't come at us but they'll be more open and uh, I think that Celtic will I think this is a per- I think this is the perfect game for us um, outside of a, a Hamilton at home or you know St Mirren at home, this is the perfect game for us to get back into a, a good way of, of working. And uh, I don't think we'll have, I don't think we'll have to break them down the way we did with Kamarnock, for example. I think they are a good team. Shankland was injured last week. I don't know if Shankland's still out, um, but the boy they got from Dunfermline is excellent. Um, he scored a hat trick last week. Um, so they've got they've got qualities. They've got a good, decent midfield as well. But I think this is the perfect game for Celtic to come back and really start swinging. Basically, on, on Dundee United, they belong in the Premier League for me. They their absence, I felt that absence. It's been a, a, a good while since I was at Tannadice. But any time I went up there, it was always a great atmosphere. It was great going um, to that to that ground. Um, so for me, it's just good to have them back in the league. Tend to agree with Gal. It's a grass pitch, which is always nice. Um, we've got a good, generally got a good record at Tannadice. It's a place that's fairly been kind to us over the years. Well, certainly in recent years, um, I always enjoy playing against Dundee United. They're yeah. a proper football club. Yeah. Um, but I have a good feeling about it. Um, famous last words, but I do. I think it's a, it's a nice place to go to play football. And I think it, um, we will get back on track in league form uh, going up there. As as you've alluded to, Louis, and, and, and you said, Gal, as well, they're a good side, they've got good players. You know, I don't think they'll be trouble in the bottom half of the league this season. Um, I don't think there'll, there'll be any worry about them getting relegated, but I've got a good feeling about going up. Again, we don't know. It's early on in the season, but um, and we'll see if I was wrong on this. I think Wheatley next week, but yeah, I'm looking forward to Saturday. Really, really. Yeah, I agree with what the guys are saying there. And I don't think Dundee United will, will make it easy, but yeah, I think they, they are a, a little bit more, um, well, their, their style plays a bit more open, a bit more exciting than, than some of the teams that will play throughout the season. So yeah, I think there'll be space for us and our better players to move. And I I think it'll be a much more entertaining game than the Kilmarnock game, that's for sure. They're, they're just more pragmatic. They'll they'll take a more pragmatic approach to it, but they're not in any way going to... They're not rigid or structured the way that Achille or Olivia yeah. are, and that's the games we'll struggle with. Yeah, well, the, the, the opposition's only goal is really to stifle us. I don't think that will be the case. Again, I don't think they'll be stupid. They're not going to just, you know, open up huge gaps for us, but yeah, they'll, they'll try to play a little bit and that'll, 
that will play into our hands, hopefully. Well, it's been it's been good to be back on and, and talking about the football again. Obviously, after that week off, and, and we can kind of put all of that behind us. And hopefully, this weekend we get back to winning ways in the league. Um, we will be back on Tuesday next week to obviously go over the Dundee United uh, victory, as Christopher Somani has uh, so kindly proclaimed. And uh, we will look forward to the game uh, on Wednesday in Europe against Somani. Erin's Faros. That team. Um, and Louis, obviously, yourself... Yes, please. Christopher, go. Yourself, uh, Louis McCaffrey and Christopher Somani are the Celtic away reaction team. So the reaction will be dropping mere minutes. Not mere minutes. Uh, we record it straight after um, full time and uh, it'll be up straight away after we record. So you'll get your instant reaction to the Celtic games. Uh, we'll also be doing a preview, which will go up the day before um, with all the press conference audio, some We've got a section called Stats Corner, which has Christian Wolf talking all of his stats. Uh, and then, you know, in terms of coverage for every Celtic game this season, it's, you know, preview, reaction, analysis. We're going to have, when we move to our new independent platform, we're going to have a, a match centre, which will give you all your stats in one place. And uh, yeah, check it out. Patreon.com slash Cynic and soon to be our own independent platform, but I'll update you on that when we can. Fantastic. Um, Christopher Gallagher, uh, Christopher number one, it's been a pleasure. Been an absolute pleasure. I, I loved being on it. Thank you. Uh, Christopher Samani, number one in my heart. Thank you, Louis, for not calling me number two. Pleasure as always. Uh, Christopher number four, um, thanks for waking up halfway during the podcast and, and contributing a wee bit. Oh, hell. Thanks for that, Louis. Just, you know, make it a little bit more exciting. Entertain your guests. As a host, that's your job. The, the small print in your contract. Yeah, there were so many gaps in what you were saying. I thought you were hosting, Bill. Um Listen, uh, it's been a tough day for myself. Thanks again to everybody who's been looking out for me. Uh, Tam is the greatest. He has four hands and he deserves the money. This has been the Cynic Weekly and we will speak to you down the road. Mm-hmm.